Accidental Safety Pro, brought to you by Vivid Learning Systems and the Health and Safety Institute, episode number three. My name is Jill James, Vivid's Chief Safety Officer, and today I'm joined by Joe. Joe is from the greater Philadelphia area and is currently the Director of Occupational Health Services at Inspira Health Network. Welcome to the show today, Joe, and thanks for being with us. Sure. I really uh, appreciate you having me in, uh, you know, the greater Philadelphia area. Still very excited over, uh, you know, our Eagles Super Bowl champion. <laughs> we, we get up every day with that being excited. So thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Congratulations. It's been a <laughs> long can, time. You can continue to live in that zone. That's awesome. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Joe, so how many years uh, have you been in the safety profession? You know, I, I started in, in various roles, but, you know, um, it goes all the way back to 1996, you know, when um, I was a volunteer EMT and eventually went paid. And, you know, even that has a component of safety to it, you know, but I started at a manufacturing plant in 2001, you know, quickly joined their emergency response team. Um, and I was at that refinery for, you know, 13 or 14 years and, and had had a number of different roles. Um but I eventually went from production and I made the big jump over to safety. And, you know, with safety came occupational health. Within a year or two, I was promoted to the uh, the site, you know, emergency response coordinator, you know, which I really enjoyed, you know, and I, I like responding to things and stuff like that. And uh, I guess as, as some others would know it, putting out the fire and maybe figuratively and literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in my career, uh, I remember seeking advice from those older than me and those that had been in the, the field for a while. And I said, hey, I really feel like I can make it to the next level. What do I need to do? And uh, their response yeah. was, you have to put the radio down. And, um, you know, that that <laughs> was kind of eye opening for me. You know, I basically uh, realized yeah, what that did that mean? Yeah. You, you had to be uh you had to stop responding to things and, and be proactive you had to prevent them right you couldn't mm. you couldn't react you had to be proactive so yeah. that uh you know that was what that meant so you know a couple of people gave me that advice and it was it was good advice you know um my career mm. then took me uh to a healthcare facility in Philadelphia and that facility was known as the English house. And that was a hmm. live in and, uh, you know, outpatient facility where folks all had, you know, spinal cord impairments for various reasons, but they were, you know, very, uh, intact, you know, as far from a, uh, intelligence perspective. And mm-hmm. so you never had a bad day there. You know, you would, you would really just enjoy, um, going and speaking with people. Um, the building was very historical in Philadelphia. So from a safety perspective, it, it was difficult to manage, um, because, mm-hmm. you know, things like ceiling lifts and stuff don't fit well in a hundred year old plus building. So <laughs> yeah, right, uh, right. <laughs> and then I went over to, uh, you know, an HVAC company that was well known in, in this area. And, you know, I, I, I got a lot of fleet and uh, risk, you know, experience with that. And, you know, I would say that, you know, things were going very well, um, you know, there. And then, you know, um, a series of things happened. And, you know, basically, it's one of those, the recruiter reached out to me at the right time when things were happening. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was the right move for me, and I ended up at Inspira, and I, I don't regret my decisions or my path a bit. <laughs> what a great story, and, and what a winding path. Like we, yeah. like we always say, no one really kind of got into this um, profession, not often anyway, uh, with purpose. We kind of came about it through some winding path or accidentally, um, as is the as is the name of our of our podcast today. So, Joe, I want to back up just a little bit. When and I've been thinking about this for my career as well. Was there any time in your life, like, did you grow up with safety around you, or was there something that you think maybe sort of planted that first seed for safety or prevention in your mind? 
Oh, sure. I mean, and I always tell people, you know, I just went through my birthday and, uh, you know, I always tell people I hate my birthday and they say, why is that? And I said, well, when I grew up as a kid and I mean a young kid, you know, maybe five, six years old, um, my dad was a diesel truck mechanic and, you know, he was involved in an accident at work where he was working on something and, mm. you know, basically suffered, you know, a catastrophic back injury, you know, and then he uh, had to go through a series of surgeries, you know, and, and kind of each one, in my view, as a kid, worse than the next. Right. You know, and yeah. um, I specifically remember one instance on my birthday where my dad was going for a checkup from one of these surgeries. And, you know, my mom had my neighbor watching me, you know, and it was supposed to be a, a one or two hour thing. Next thing I know, it was dark, you know, and it started to seem like, you know, where's my mom at? This was in the day of, you know, no cell phones or things like that. You know, right. and I found out that, you know, there had been complications in that surgery. And basically, you know, my dad was, you know, back in the hospital, you know, with, with more issues. And so, you know, all the while, you know, as a, you know, as a young kid, you're not aware of what companies are, are you know, thinking or what people think or how mm -hmm. work injuries are perceived from the outside, you know, and, and mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I now in reflection and having heard my parent, you know, my dad's story, he was really treated badly by the company, you know, that, you know, that they just, you know, didn't do right by him, you know what yeah. I mean? And I, I think that my approach in safety has always been do the right thing, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and I think if you approach it that way, you may find yourself in conflict at times, but you, you always are good to yourself. You know, you never feel as though um, you owe, owe it to anybody else, you know? So yeah. for, for my dad, you know, I, I always approach it that, you know, every injury is real. Sometimes I'm proven wrong, but, you know, more <laughs> yeah. often, more yeah. often than not, you know, they are real. You know, I don't think people set out to go to work and, and get hurt, you know. Exactly. Exactly. I did workers' compensation case management for a number of years and, and I applied exactly what you're saying. And essentially it's the golden rule, right? You know, you're treating people the way that you'd want to be treated. And sure, did, did I sometimes uh, get duped? Yeah. Was it common? No. You know, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, people do not set out, wake up in the morning and go, oh, I'm going to try to get hurt today at work. You know, everyone wants to be treated humanely. And sure. uh, it's a great way to, yeah. It's, it's, with uh, my dad, you know, he never went back to that job, you know. So, yeah. you know, you always hear about people filing, you know, petitions and things like that to get, you know, monetary value. And, you know, people think, oh, they're just trying to make, you know, money and, and things like that. You know, and I, I remember growing up with my mom being, you know, the sole provider for a while mm -hmm. while my dad sort of reinvented himself. And he did, you know, he went, he mm -hmm. went to, he went back to college. He became a chemistry teacher, wow. um, you know, and then at some point he uh, actually got into, you know, chemical manufacturing and, you know, he became a production superintendent before he retired, you know, and I, for me, it was, you know, all about, you know, never be afraid to reinvent yourself, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so, you know, when that opportunity for me from a production standpoint to a safety standpoint came, I just thought, you know what, it, it's really not for me. It's never been about what, you know, it's always about how hard you'll work to know it. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. always say, if you put two people next to each other and one has, you know, the highest degree you can get and one doesn't, but wants it more, you know, hard work beats everything else. You know what I mean? So that's yes, really been my approach. You know? Yeah. Right. So back to that refinery job. So you're, you're at the refinery, you're literally, you know, putting out the fires, like you say on the radio all the time and the safety thing opens. What, what did you think it was going to be and who kind of mentored you along? Because I'm guessing you're sort of green to, at that point, at least to all things, occupational safety. Yeah, I mean, you know, the refinery was a 24-7 operation, you know, and safety was an 8-to-5 job there, you know what I mean? So yeah. I had a schedule in which, you know, I was working 12-hour shifts, so there were plenty of times where, you know, I was 
on site when things were going wrong and there were no safety folks. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had, I had had time mm-hmm. to, you okay. know, kind of progress through, you know, injuries and things like that. You know, I was always somebody that was curious about, you know, OSHA regulations and things like that, because, you know, at my, at my plant, it was a collective bargaining plant. And so, sure. you know, there would be questions raised all the time about what was, you know, what was a violation and what wasn't. So you had to kind of have some knowledge. It actually happened that, I was going through a review time and, you know, I would kind of doing a check-in, you know, I felt like I had peaked out in production and, you know, I was questioning the person that was, you know, uh, doing my review, who was in human resources. I said, you know, where do you see this going? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you have any <laughs> upward mobility? Cause I was kind of feeling like I was stuck, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah. you know, he said, well, you know, we don't have an occupational health nurse right now. And, you know, we really, uh, you know, really having a hard time recruiting one, you know, and, and you're an EMT and you treated people here before and you always do a really good job. What would you think about doing like a hybrid role between like occupational health and safety specialist, mm. you know? And so, you know, it took me about three seconds to decide that was what I wanted to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Because it was more along the lines of, you know, how I, how I envisioned, you know, what I wanted to do. So, right. um, yeah, wow. so that's how I got into it. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you at that job? So I, I did that job for about you know another two and a half years um, before I moved on. Um, you know, the advice I can give people there is, you know, I was you know at at a point in my career where I went back to the you know it was another review time, right? And I had done very well. Yeah. I was the emergency mm-hmm. response coordinator. People uh, knew who I was. We were doing very well, but there was an open safety manager position and it had been open for a while and they had not found the right fit. And at this point I had, you know, 13 years experience at this plant, you know? So yeah. wow. I, I made the mention that, you know, I wanted to be the safety manager. And, you know, at the time I was told, well, you, you know, you'll likely uh, definitely be in the pool, apply for it. We, we were going to really help you get there, you know, but then it came around to, you know, interview time and, you know, they just decided that I didn't have an environmental engineering degree. So then I was not qualified, you know, and that, that was unfortunate because, you know, after you have 13 years at a place you tend to know how right. everything works and you know um I, I did but i didn't let that demotivate me you know yeah. I, it was either you were going to sit in the position you were in and not be happy that you were told you couldn't do it or you were going to use that as motivation to kind of go to the next place and so that's what brought me to the you know the english house in philadelphia you know that healthcare facility sure, and, you sure. know um they took a chance on me and you know i went and took a chance on the fact that i thought that i could do it you know on a management level and you know i started there as their safety manager. And, um, you know, I was promoted within a year to the director of safety, security and, and uh, communications, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a, you know, big city, you know what I mean? And so uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of one of the most memorable things there was, you know, the Pope came to Philadelphia during the time <laughs> I was there and uh, he stayed, wow. you know, he literally stayed probably one and a half blocks from where we were, you know what oh, I mean? Wow. So the city was shut down, you know what I mean? There was plenty, plenty of hospitals that were, you know, living in places. And so we had to basically build a plan to live in, you know, our facility so that we could make sure people got oh, in wow. and out, you know, mm-hmm. and we did. And so for me, that's one of my more, you know, really great memories because it didn't really involve anything negative. You know, you were, you were reacting to a positive, you know, so. Right, right. What a, what a fun story. So not only did your state win the Super Bowl. You also had the Pope visit. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) What's next? (laughs) I was going to say, to this date, to this day, I still have the video of the Pope riding by uh, on my cell phone. Because, you know, after we had done it and, you know, had everybody living there, we knew he was going to the city. Everybody walked to City Line Avenue and watched him go by, you know, so it was was really incredible. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. What a fun story. So at 
Uh, you, you've also earned your degree in safety and health. So at what point did you decide, hey, it's time to go to school and, and do this? And how did, how did you kind of walk through that? And I'm assuming maybe you were employed at the same time? Yeah, I mean, I had never done anything the easy way. You know, I mean, I, I, I was not, I did not see the value of education as a high school student. You know what I mean? I did not mm-hmm. see the value of education coming out of high school, you know? And so when I got the job at the refinery, you know, within a few years, you know, maybe five years, I'll say when I became the supervisor, I thought to myself, well, now you need a degree. So I started to pursue, you know, a business degree and, you know, I got my associates and, you know, around that same time, I was you know, still pursuing business, you know, this, this health and safety job came up and I thought yeah. to myself, you know, you probably should stop and figure out what it is you're going to do because, mm-hmm. you know, if you continue business, you know, business isn't going to really help you, um, in the complete sense. So, yeah. you know, I sought out, you know, online schools, you know, there's one in New Jersey called, uh, you know, Thomas Edison state university. When I went there, it was called state college. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, that's in Trenton, you know, and you get in-state rates, you know, and it's an online school, you go up there maybe once or twice a semester and take tests, you know, but it was really good for me because, you know, all of a sudden I went from the guy that saw no purpose in school to, you know, what do you mean you took a point off my paper? You know what I mean? And that's just kind of the way I've been, you know, your pride level and your work has changed, you know what I mean? So right. now I'm, I'm very much that way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I, I continued that through school and through two kids being born and, you know what I mean? And really just mm-hmm. have, have tried to keep, mm-hmm. keep hustling, you know? So, yeah, right, right. So who, over all of these years in this career path, do you have mentors or have you had mentors that kind of have walked in and out of your life that have helped um, influence um, you maybe uh, one way or the other? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, from a safety perspective, you know, EMT is kind of different than occupational health, right? So, um, you know, I was fortunate to partner with at the time at the refinery, they had an outside doctor that they had, and his name was Dr. Michael Bajarski, and he still practices today, you know, and he, in my opinion, you know, does more with less than anybody you can imagine, you know, and by mm-hmm. that, I mean, you know, his notes are fantastic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, sometimes he types them on a typewriter or a computer, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's not using these glorified EMR systems that give you, you know, just regular canned things, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, he really taught me a lot of stuff. And, and I think more importantly, he gave me confidence in what I was doing, you know what I mean? And that, that, mm-hmm. that helped me immensely because, you know, you need, sometimes you need other people to believe in you to, to believe that you're doing well, you know? And I think that, you know, on the other side of it, you know, my family, you know, my, my wife was a tremendous supporter of me getting into it, you know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. always has, I think sometimes even more than me felt that I can do it, you know? And, and you know, so <laughs> we always then, need that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, at the refinery, um, you know, when I was in charge of the emergency response team, my assistant chief, he also believed that I could do it, you know what I mean? And, um, he he was a very, very good friend of mine, um, you know, and uh, he passed away, you know, about two years ago. Um, you know, his, mm. he was 39 years old and he had two kids. Uh, and, you know, he died of colon cancer. So, mm. you know, for those of you that, you know, have history and stuff like that, you know, it's important for you to know that, uh, you know, just because, you know, you're not 50 years old, you know, or whatever the case may be, you got to keep an eye on that, you know? And so, um, was a major loss for me, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, like I said, that, that, those are the, probably the three big ones, but, you know, Mm -hmm. at Inglis, I had a guy who was not a safety person at all. You know, his name is Harold Strawbridge and, uh, Harold is, 
probably the guru of making everything you talk about in a presentation visual, right? And so he was very good at, you know, you would go to these people who had no understanding of safety or no understanding of, you know, planning the Pope visit, and he would put pen to paper and, you know, he would make it visual and they would get it, you know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that we can probably relate to, you know, uh, all... He sounds like a great guy. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, we would speak to people and we would be like, you know, what do you mean you don't understand? How could you not understand this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, And Harold was able to kind of show me the bridge between, you know, look, you have the knowledge, they don't, and if you get aggravated with them, they shut down and they don't listen to you, you know what I mean? So So paint a picture. um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's awesome. You know, and I I think that was really a tremendous uh, help for me there, you know. Yeah, yeah. I had a a mentor not in safety either uh, a number of years ago. He's an industrial psychologist, and I just paths crossed in a job at some point and he was he was helping with some project and he became a mentor to me somebody that I reached out to for a number of years and and um he would you know he would listen to me kvetch about a job when I was you know thinking you know what am I doing here where can I go kind of struggling with it and he'd paint these pictures in my head that helped me like decide like what am I going to do next and I I remember one time he said to me he said so Jill, you, um, you kind of thought that this job was going to be like, you know, like you're, you're in the, in the barn with the racehorses and you get to groom the racehorse and like brush it every day and make it really shiny and perfect and beautiful to be able to run its race. But in actuality, what I'm hearing you say is you're in the back of the barn shoveling the crap. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. You're so right. And he goes, so what do you want to do? Brush the horse or shovel? Keep shoveling. I'm like, I want to brush the horse. He's like, get yeah. out of there. I'm like, okay, thanks. Right, <laughs> you know, right. not, nothing to do with safety, but he was just listening to my story and, and in a compelling way and uh, pushing pushing me forward. So your job right now is in occupational health. Is right. that a is that a clinic setting, Joe? Well, so I, I basically have switched teams, I guess, so to speak. Right? I, you know, we have uh, gone from you know trying to keep people safe to you know I am now you know in charge of developing a you know treatment of work injuries plan for a hospital-based system. You know, so okay. um, you know we're using an urgent care model to bring folks in that are injured. You know, and, and from other treatment. from outside employers correct yes okay mm-hmm. so you know one of the things that, that i think helps me is you know i go out to these employers you know and i ask questions like do you have job descriptions you know and, and you know what what are the types of injuries they're facing you know how can we help them how can we partner with them you know and i i, I you know i know about the osha logs and things like that that they're they're suffering from you know where you know maybe they have somebody who you know is written as an osha recordable but that's because they can't lift more than 50 pounds but they were a mm-hmm. desk worker who was answering a phone and it's not really a restriction you know what mm-hmm. i mean and mm-hmm. for us you know like i said that we we, we genuinely i think in, in my group want to be the best you know what i mean and mm-hmm. um it's still a relatively new program you know and we're, we're we're in the south jersey area um but you know i think you have a lot of ambitious people who see this as an opportunity to to be the best you know and i think like i said for for me um, that's how I approach everything. I always want to try to be the best at what I do. Yeah. So. so you get to do a little bit of prevention work with the companies that you reach out to, and then you're also helping guide them through the workers' compensation uh, process when sure. someone's injured. Is that accurate yeah. to what you're doing now? 
Yes. And, you know, we, we bring new companies on, you know, when we bring those companies on, we talk to them about, you know, what, what the state laws are as far as, you know, workers' compensation. We talk to them about, do they have job descriptions they can supply us? You know, um, you know, we give them ideas of, you know, different policies they may want to create, you know, and, and some of these companies have never even thought about what happens if somebody, you know, has an injury and then they're restricted, you know, and that, that leads them to basically say, okay, go home. And when you're better, come back. And, you know, that gives them a lot of time to watch the attorney ads that flash up and say, mm-hmm. have you been injured at work? And then the people mm-hmm. go, you know what I have, and I've been wronged. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, that, mm-hmm. that hurts companies. And, you know, and I think, you know, like I said, there's a, there's a time and place for that. But I also think, you know, if the company's buying in on the, on the people and they want them to get better, it's really good to get them back into work. So, you know, I have plenty of boilerplate policies that I always say to people, if you want that policy, I'll send it to you. You know what I mean? And so I really just try to be a little bit different in that sense, you know? Right. And it and it also is hard on the employee's morale if they're at home, you know, not feeling like they're contributing in a meaningful way. And I think you're right. I think um, many employers just think, okay, so the employees hurt, they're off work and aren't thinking about the ramifications, you know, the ramifications of the employee's morale, the ramification of I'm paying, uh, you know, lost wage benefits now. Um, you know, the ramification of I have to find somebody else to do that job and fill sure. in for now. And, you know, I, I think the I think employers are still on that learning curve of, oh, really, we could bring them back. And but it doesn't have to be in their current role or it could be a different version of their current role. And helping helping them uh, helping them see that, I think, is really powerful. And I think, you know, it's always difficult for employers to understand that, you know, in their minds, you know, they don't they're not seeing, well, we're paying the salary technically one way or another. Right. You know, it mm-hmm. may not be directly, but, you know, that will go to your insurance and your insurance. It'll create, you know, uh, loss and you may have a poor loss ratio at that point. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there's value in them being around, even if, you know, maybe they're not doing everything they could do. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. So when you're reaching out and talking with employers now, are you generally working with management teams? You're working with safety people or who's your who's your primary contact? So, I mean, it it varies, to be honest with you, because South Jersey is a wide scope of different types of business. We have everything from, you know, refineries and industry all the way down to, you know, mom and pop farms that are very seasonal, you know, so it can really depend on who. Uh, what type of business you're dealing with, you know, and I, I think, you, you know, I, I bring the same approach to everybody that, you know, we, we want you to give us a chance. We want we want to do right by you. And, you know, we also want a lot of feedback as to you know how we can get better, um, you know, with the safety professionals. You know, I, I try to speak the safety language because I mm-hmm. think that that's what they want to they, you know, they want to hear that the person that's, you know, overseeing the program understands where they're coming from, you know, mm-hmm. and if they if they think they're getting a sales pitch, then that's not what they're interested in. You right, know what I mean? right. And so, um, you know, I, I want to, I want them to understand how we're different, so to speak, you know? Right. So are you able to spend some time, um, in some of these employment settings with some of the safety professionals, maybe looking at some of the risk, risk exposures, particularly when bringing people back, um, you know, how could we, how can we engineer something out? How can we make an improvement to ensure it doesn't happen? The same thing doesn't happen to somebody else. Are you able to do that sometimes? When we bring on employers, I usually ask, you know, to see their facility, you know, to get an idea of a tour. And I've really seen some neat places, you know what I mean? And stuff that, you know, you really, you know, you just don't know that that's what they do, you know, on the outside, you know what I mean? So I I feel fortunate in that regard because, you know, you understand at that point that some of these jobs aren't out of the scope of what they could do. And Mm -hmm. some of it is, you know, some of it is, you know a lot harder than I think sometimes the job descriptions say it is, you know what I mean? So it could go Mm -hmm. either way, you know? 
Right, right. Yeah, I worked in occupational medicine for a while as well, doing similar work exactly to what you're talking about. And, you know, my eyes being able to bring that picture back to the provider who was um, writing the restrictions was really powerful because the providers don't always have time to go and do tours of work environments to find out, you know, what is it that this employee is going to go back to. But right. our eyes get to do that. We can paint that picture to be that partner between the employer and the provider. And that's uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty Absolutely. cool. Yep. Yeah. So in your in all the years you've been doing this safety, I've got to ask this question because I, I think this is a, I think this is sometimes a funny answer from different people. What's the craziest thing you've ever done to build street cred with your workforce in different jobs? You know, I, I think that I've always been a hands on person, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I came from that refinery where I was a production worker, you know, so yeah. at the refinery, it was easy for me. I would just go out on the production floor and talk to people and, you know, listen into what issues they were having and things like that, you know, it became more difficult for me, you know, at the healthcare facility because I'd never done healthcare before, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so that meant, you know, walking unit to unit, talking to residents, you know, talking to everybody. And actually, believe it or not, as I said, those residents were very, very smart. You know, they just unfortunately were, you know, quad and paraplegic. So, mm-hmm. um, I would actually ask them to tell me when they would find safety issues, you know what I mean? And and they actually became reporters for me, you know what I mean? So that was very powerful. Um, You know, when I, when I got the job at, you know, the uh, HVAC company, you know, Mm -hmm. I had a quick company truck and I would just go to places, you know what I mean? I would go to locations and I would talk to people and I would talk about, you know, how, you know, I want to make sure that they don't get hurt. You know, they have to think about what they're doing, you know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I really just always, again, tried to do the right thing, you know, and I I had a lot of risk experience there too, you know, so when we would have, you know, significant losses, you know, or a water loss or a, uh, you know, a loss like that, that I felt that was very significant, impactful on someone else's life, you know, I would even go out to those and and talk to those people because, you know, the last thing you wanted was, you know, here's an insurance adjuster and, you know, the company doesn't really care about you. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. I always wanted to put myself in the position of how would I feel if that was my house, you know, or, Mm -hmm. or how would I feel if I got hurt at work, you know? So I've, Mm -hmm. I've always approached that, you know, you know, in my current role, you know, still, still new, but I think, you know, a lot of my experience is carrying over into this role because it's stuff that people don't really know, you know, in the order of operations, we'll say, you know, of how to approach an employer and what are the things you can say to, to get them to listen to you, you know, and, and have them, you know, you know, come on board or at least want to meet with you, you know? Yeah. 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 So Joe, in your, in your path, career path and safety, I'm interested to know, like, how did you go about, or how do you think it happened, maybe accidentally, finding what your niche is in safety? You know, when when we look back at at our career and all that safety and health encompasses, it can be so vast and often overwhelming to people. Like, am I ever going to learn it all? And the answer is no, you won't. And, you know, sometimes you kind of have to sit with yourself and go, well, you know, what am I really good at or what do I really like? And what what does what did that look like for you um, in finding that niche, assuming you've found it? At yeah. Least for now? And, and I think I, I have, you know, I, I do enjoy the occupational health setting because, you know, it, it really is kind of impactful to people that, you know, have already um unfortunately had an incident, you know what I mean? Hopefully you can prevent those, but you know, where I'm at now, you know, you're dealing with folks that have been injured, you know what I mean? And so for me, um, you know, like you said, you, uh, you know, it's such a wide scope of things, you know what I mean? And I, I, 
I enjoyed a lot of different aspects of safety, but I, I just knew what I liked the most, you know what I mean? And I just say when, you know, people are getting into it, you know, try to figure out what the parts are that you like, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of different parts, you know, and I think that, you know, um, you can worry too much about trying to learn them all, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and unfortunately, you know, it, it's, you know, you can see those job descriptions that have, we want a safety manager that has 30 years experience and knows process safety management and occupational health and everything else. But the reality is, you know, that, you know, everybody starts somewhere, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, you, and mm-hmm. you have to start and be good at what you do and take that with you. And then maybe you're on to something that's a little bit different, um, you know, and you take that with you, you know, mm-hmm. and you build up a, a portfolio of things that, you know, you know, and, and are mm-hmm. good at, you know, and, and I think it, it makes you better overall, you know, so. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, absolutely. I can see that. I mean, for me, um, I think the most important thing, you know, in safety, you mm-hmm. know, regardless what, what direction you go in, is you have to be passionate about it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like if you if you go and you see these speakers sometimes at the conferences, you know, there are some that just really, you know, do a fantastic job. You know what I mean? And they're very mm-hmm. passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, sometimes I, I watch them in all of how passionate they are because they, they're way better than me. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> um, you know, you, you can't, to me, safety in general is not a job. You know what I mean? It's a responsibility. You know what I mean? So you got to understand there's people relying on you Mm -hmm. to do the right thing for them. You know what I mean? So it's a much higher level of responsibility than, Hey, we have to make that widget and get it out by the end of the month, you know? So yeah, safety is a job is a, is a responsibility, not a job. That is, that is awesome. That that's a quotable quote, Joe. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So when you are, um, when you're stuck, and you need some help with uh, wh- who, what are your resources? Where do you usually go for information? You know, how do you, how do you, how do you find answers to things that you don't know? Well, you know, there's a couple different things that I've done. You know, I, I, I have a big presence on LinkedIn, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, I, so that gives me a wide variety of people I can talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that, you, you know, you could never be afraid to talk to your boss. You know what I mean? That's a relationship you need, you need to have because sometimes the things you're up against have nothing to do with safety. They have to do with workplace politics or things like that, you know, and ultimately if you're the one leading that charge on that battle, you might be the one that's identified as, you know, the problem. But, you know, mm-hmm. if you escalate it through the proper channels, you know, you a lot of times can have um, meaningful you know, progress on on that. And, you know, I think that everybody has varying degrees of of aggravation and safety. I mean, I don't think there's anybody that can say they haven't been told no, or they haven't been aggravated with the way that somebody's done something or or, Mm -hmm. or any of that, you know, and it's sort of, you have to turn that into something constructive, um, you know, and and you have to kind of learn from when you didn't, you know what I mean? And and so Mm -hmm. for me to sit here and say, I've never done it, you know what I mean? Would be foolish, you know what I mean? And, And I think that that's, you know, you have to learn and better yourself each time. Right. and say, well, these are the areas I can improve on next time, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Your, your point on not being afraid to reach out to your boss, I think is, is really good advice to anyone, anyone listening. I know I've made that mistake you know, a number, I don't know, maybe three, four jobs ago that I can think of. I really um, was kind of afraid to talk to the administrator of the place where I was working, um, sort of felt intimidated, like maybe I didn't have a right to have a voice um, with that particular person. And the manager that I was reporting to at the time carried, she was the one carrying my message to the ultimate decision maker. And that didn't work so well. You know, it's kind of like playing that telephone game with the cups and the yarn, you know, (laughs) like what's the message going to be on the other end? And uh, I learned very much the hard way 
that having someone else carry your message doesn't always work. Right. And exactly. I and I made a promise to myself after that job. I'm like, I will never do that again. Right. I will yeah. I will I will be uncomfortable, but I'm gonna get comfortable being uncomfortable and I will, you know, I will make those relationships and I will find ways to be able to speak directly to uh, the decision makers. And sure. it's it's served me well, but gosh, it's hard, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, like you said, it is intimidating, um, you know, but your message gets diluted, you know what I mean, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't do it. And sometimes, you know, the, the only message that they've gotten is, hey, you have a sense of urgency. They have no idea why you have that sense of urgency. And, and it sounds like you're yelling, the sky is falling, when really you have a very good reason for what you're saying, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it's being missed by that person, you know. And I, I think, you know, you talk about going, you know, talking up to pe- people and, and making sure they get the message, but. Um, one of the most important things I, I learned, you know, when I was at the refinery in charge of that emergency response team was to also talk down to your folks, make sure those that report to you know what you expect from them, you know, and, and I'm by, by example, I would have, you know, meetings with my emergency response team every month, right? And I would always mm-hmm. say to people, you know, the exact same statement over and over again. If we ever get into a situation where there's, you know, a fire, there's a spill, there's some sort of, you know, incident, and you can't find the person that's missing and you can't safely get into that area, then you need to protect yourself and get back out. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's no value in having two groups of people that are lost. And so, you know, it would almost seem like people would look at me like, yeah, right. Nothing's ever going to happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that that's just complete mm-hmm. silly. We're invincible. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're invincible. It's never going to happen until, you know, I, I can remember one specific morning, you know, we had an incident where, you know, chemicals were pumped into the wrong tank and there was, a, you know, a hydrogen explosion, you know what I mean? And basically, yeah. you know, those chemicals created, you know, a cloud, you know what I mean? As soon as the mm-hmm. tank exploded, right? And the, the cloud, you know, pretty much blocked the entire view of a camera within seconds. So, you know, it was very difficult to know what was going on. I wasn't at the plant. I was actually at home. Right. And mm-hmm. I remember, you know, I, w- I was responding to the plant because I heard them, you know, dispatch the local fire company and stuff. And I on my way in, I could hear, you know, my team operating, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they were doing all the things I told them to do. You know what I mean? So they were searching for the person and they pulled back out. You know what I mean? Well, here we had lost two people in that incident that we couldn't account for. Right. But they had ended up going out the back door. You know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, if I had sent my team in to try to find them, you know what I mean? We would have had more problems. And so then once those people were accounted for, everybody was still in that really hyped up mode that we got to go in and we got to solve this problem now. You know what I mean? But the thing is, your responsibility is to your people, you know what I mean? And to make sure they're safe. And the reality was there was nobody in there that was, you know, at risk. You know what I mean? We had a building that was damaged. We had problems, but, you know, we needed to slow down and make sure that when I sent people in, it was safe, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we had to shut all the utilities off. We had to shut, you know, all the, uh, you know, things that were coming through the pipes off, but Mm -hmm. then we went in and it was safe. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I, I, to me, that was the one of the more meaningful things that I realized, wow, you have to say things over and over Mm -hmm. and over again until Mm -hmm. it gets into somebody's head because saying it once doesn't mean anything. Right. Yeah. So repeating, like you said, the message, remembering to carry our message upstream, but also downstream as well and, and being repetitive about it. Um, you know, the airlines do that really well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're getting that message every time. Put on your own oxygen mask first before you help someone else. Right. And and all those messages, which essentially is part of what the message was for you that day and how proud you must have been of your team. I, I definitely was. And like I said, to me, that was one of the larger uh, successes, you know, with emergency response. Um, you know, and like I said, you know, for me, 
it was a valuable lesson in, in teaching people. And I think, you know, I, I don't know, you know, about your career, but I always never, I never thought I was going to be a, a teacher or the educator, you know, that <laughs> just seems so foreign to me, you know what I mean? And I, I was yeah. just not going to do it, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, I became a CPR instructor and, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, the emergency response team, I was doing classes with them. For me, it was very important at that point to realize that, you know, I was no longer the, the new guy or the young guy anymore. You know, it's important to pass knowledge down, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, um, you know, yeah. that has been something I really try to do now, you know? It was a realization that's probably come to me in the last, I'd say, maybe four to five years where I have less and less mentors and I become the one that people are reaching out to. And um, it's it's uh, it's a big responsibility. And sometimes it's it's really hard. And, you you know, you think back, like, you know, did I answer that correctly? Or, you know, someone was asking me questions last week. I was guiding an an employer through a workplace fatality they had had. And uh, there were some things I had, you know, hung up the phone. I'm like, oh, I need to tell them that, you know, I'm like the 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 onus of being the one with the knowledge um, is a is a pretty big responsibility. So I ended up picking up the phone. I'm like, okay, and this and this and this and this. And they're like, okay, thank you. (laughs) You know, but but it feels uh, it feels sometimes like a bigger responsibility to be in that uh, that teaching mode um, than I was in the learning mode way back way back when, which seems kind of crazy. But, you know, our work in our work in safety is preventative. You know, you've worked both on the reaction side in the work that you've done and in the prevention side. And you're talking about, you know, this chemical release you had in the plant, you really leaned into your prevention work. And I think it's one of the, I think it's one of the hardest things in our profession um, to try to sell or convince people that prevention is where the rubber meets the road. So when things go sideways, you've got that to lean into. And I think that's, that's such a hard concept for us to continue, you know, knocking on the door every day and talking about prevention when everybody thinks it can't happen to them. Right. And I, I think that that is true. People think it can't happen to them. And then, you know, I, I think to a certain degree, depending on how you're wired and, you know, I think emergency response people are wired this way. Response is fun. You know what I mean? It, right. it, it really does hype you up. And I yeah. think anybody that's ever, you know, ha- had the tones hit or been dispatched can tell you that there's just an uncanny adrenaline rush that you get from it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's not sustainable either. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. eventually, you know, you, you burn out from that, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, for me, you know, the, the calls at, you know, nine, 10 o'clock, midnight, one, two in the morning, you know, where you're hearing about all these, you know, incidents, you know, they, they can wear on you, you know what I mean? And so like, right. you know, have to make yes. sure that you're doing everything you can do to prevent those things, you know? Right. Right. Fighting fires, uh, literally and figuratively. Um, it's, it's, it's good. It's important work. We need it, but it also doesn't build anything long-term. Sure. Absolutely. And so we have to find that balance in our careers, right? Where we're building things that are sustainable and, uh, and lasting at the same time. So, um, Joe, we, we, you and I have both been talking about different jobs we've had, career changes we've made. Um, and I, I, I know that sometimes I'm getting questions from other people in our in our career um, who are asking, like, when do I know 
When do I know it's the right time to move on? How do I make those decisions? What sure. what has that looked like for you? Well, you know, actually, um, it doesn't always smack you in the face. You know what I mean? Sometimes <laughs> you, you put up with a lot before you uh-huh. realize it's too much, you know. And, um, uh, you know, I, I listened to a podcast by you, actually. And um, in that podcast, you know, there were there were things that were said that and it was like my aha moment at this job, you know, and the job. It was basically, you know, when you're not being listened to, you know, there's no sign of change, you know what I mean? And I think, uh, you know, you're being sort of rebuffed in all of your ideas. You know, there, there, there is, you know, it's time to look elsewhere because, you know, your impact is not meaningful, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, for the other thing, I think to be more specific was, you know, I think when you talked about ethics being compromised, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I think that in safety, we're asked to be flexible at times, right? Sometimes we can't always solve every single problem at that exact moment and keep things running because we're, you know, we need our companies to make money, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, we need them to be safe. So it's always that delicate balance, you know, Mm -hmm. but if you can check all three boxes, you know what I mean? That not being listened to, there's no sign of change and your ethics are being compromised. I think that you have to start to to think maybe this isn't the place for me because the corporate culture there is not conducive to your success. You know what I mean? And so- I just, I, I remember how impactful that, that those particular, I actually wrote it down and I l- kept looking at it and I go, is this me? Is this really what's happening to me? You know what I mean? And I, <laughs> I realized it was, you know what I mean? And, and so mm-hmm. I just decided, you know, y- you needed to get out, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so, you know, fortunately, like I said, I, I had had, you know, another opportunity come along and it, and it worked out well for me, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's what I can mm-hmm. tell people. I mean, you're going to encounter no a lot as a safety professional. Mm-hmm. And just because you encounter no, that doesn't mean you leave the job because right. no is part of the job, right? Because mm-hmm. ultimately, if you had your way, you would install the greatest safety system ever. And, you know, you'd have no injuries, you know, you might buy all this PPE and, you know, but there's not, there's a business side to that too. You know what I mean? Right. You can't, you Finding can't do everything. Gray area. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not when someone says no to you, it's when, you know, they're not willing to listen to you at all. You know what I mean? They're not willing right. to listen to the problem either. They're, they're, they're in denial that the problem even exists. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, that becomes when you have to start to think to yourself, well, if my purpose is to identify problems and solve problems, and now no one's listening to me, Mm-hmm. You know, no one's willing to solve those problems with me. What am I really here to do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that it it impacts you professionally if you stay at a place that things, you know, bad things happen to people um, solely because, you know, uh, they, they stayed around. You know, think about, you know, any of these major incidents that involve companies. And, you know, you start to think, you know, well, what about their safety professional? What happened to them after all that? You know, and right. I'm, I'm sure... From a, you know, from a professional standpoint, you know, it's very damaging to your career. But remember, I said, for me, it's always been about confidence, right? And if my mm-hmm. confidence, you know, if, if you felt a certain way and, you know, you felt like, you know, somebody wasn't agreeing with you, um, you know, and maybe it's as simple as this needs to change or maybe it's as extreme as you think there's going to be a fatality there and you express that and somebody does not, you know, respond to you, um, you're really in a position where that, that, you know, is not doing anybody any good. And if what you think is going to happen happens and you're not being mm-hmm. listened to, you've damaged yourself, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, beautifully said, you know, no is definitely a part of the job. And then what do we do with those no's as we're learning and figuring out how to build business cases to re redirect, represent, uh, you know, what needs to happen. And I think you're right. When we get those hard no's repeatedly, 
and our ethics are being compromised because of it. Um, yeah, it's time to it's time to move on. And the you know the great thing about our our profession is that there are opportunities. You know, if if people have the ability to be flexible, maybe with their geographics and depending on where they're living, there are so many safety positions right now. Um, you know, there's so many people retiring out that started that started in the in the way back when OSHA was first being adopted. Um, you know, I'm contacted pretty often. Uh, for people who are like, how do we recruit? How do we? Lo- where do we look? Where do we go to find safety safety jobs? And so I think I think the good news is that um, there's a place for us, and uh, there's opportunities for us to figure out, you know, what's our niche and how can how can we get there? How can we get there? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Joe, um, you've d- you've done a lot of things. You've done a lot of things to be proud of. Um, what's Maybe maybe we can close with um, sharing a story of something that you've accomplished that you're really proud of. Yeah, I think, you know, um, you learn, you know, uh, both professionally and, and personally that, you know, there's a right and wrong way to do things. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think that for me, you know, I've grown as a person you know, as I've gotten older, um, especially after the loss of, you know, my friend, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And and it really, uh, had a very negative impact on me. And, you know, um, I would say that, you know, be kind to people, um, understand where they're coming from, understand that everybody's fighting a battle. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the approach you need to take, you know, professionally as a safety professional is that, you know, maybe they're not wearing their safety glasses because they're so flustered that their kid had something happen to them that morning, you know what I mean? Or, you know, um, maybe they forgot that valve was open because something else is going on. And that doesn't mean you don't, you know, follow through with discipline and things like that. But, you know, sometimes you have to walk a mile in someone else's shoes to really um, understand that, you know, People don't, like I said before, people don't intend to screw up. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone has ever woken up and said, I'm going to screw up today. You know what I mean? And I think that that has been um, probably the most important thing, uh, both personally and professionally, I've learned because, you know, I have uh, two kids and, you know, and I think that, you know, my wife and I, uh, you know, we constantly are, are, uh, you know, interested in, you know, how they're doing in school and all the various, you know, activities they do, you know what I mean? And I mm-hmm. think that for us, we know when a mistake happens, you know, it's, it's a learning opportunity, right? You know, and, yeah. and so, you know, rather than yell and scream and all that, sometimes you have to kind of revert to just teaching and teaching is yeah, right. really important, you know? Right. What, what is this? What is this here to teach me? Exactly. Why is this happening? What is, what is the message? Yep. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, you're very proud of your growth in your own humanity and what a perfect, what a perfect, uh, what a perfect reflection on yourself. I think that's great. And meeting people where they are, Exactly. meeting people where they are. That's I wonderful. Think, you know, be humble, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I always say to people when I, when I go from job to job, I've had a number of times where I walk into an office and somebody says, is this okay? And I always say, to them, you know, I started on a refinery floor that was 100 degrees. I moved into an office that had a center block wall. My next job had windows. You know what I mean? And so, you know, <laughs> yeah. be be appreciative for what you have because That's you know right. every little bit of it is 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 something. You know, it's it's a mark on how you've progressed. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. you said, um, always reflect at where you came from. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't. It may feel like you've made no difference whatsoever, but, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I said, there's a lot of people I've learned a lot mm-hmm. from, you know, in, in various organizations, mm-hmm. you know, that, that are all over, you know, talk, listen to the ASSE and listen to the National Safety Council and, you know, listen to, the, you know, your, um, you know, messagings and, and you can learn a lot 
by just approaching any of these, you know, webinars or, you know, um, you know, podcasts by simply thinking to yourself, I'm going to learn something, you know, by being here, even though I think I know everything about this topic, mm -hmm. I'm going to sit and learn, you know, and, and that was the approach I took when I realized it was time to get out with that job because it was sort of, you know, <laughs> yeah. what does the new safety professional need to know? And I remember thinking to myself, well, I'm not a new safety professional, but this sounds like a good, you know, podcast. I'm going to listen to it. You know what I mean? And I walked out of there yeah. with the most important message of my career. So, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Joe, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. Um, I know it's going to resonate with people. Thank you so much. Cool. Yeah, I definitely appreciate you guys having me and, uh, you know, always available on LinkedIn for anybody that wants to connect. I am not mm -hmm. somebody that filters. I want to I want to try to have as many connections as I can and I want to try to be as impactful as I can. So thank you. Excellent. Thanks, Joe. Thank you all so much for joining in and listening today. And thank you for the work you all do to make sure your workers make it home safe every day. You can listen to all of our episodes at vividlearningsystems.com or subscribe in the podcast player of your choosing. If you have a suggestion for a guest, including yourself, please contact me at social at vividlearningsystems.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>